Hello, Let Me Listen podcast listeners. Would you like this part of the podcast to be filled with ads for shaving clubs or underwear clubs or web hosting sites? Yeah, I didn't think so. Neither do we. So this is just a quick announcement to let you know that after several requests from fans, um, Let Me Listen podcast has opened a Patreon page. So if you would like to help support this show and uh, some of the other shows that uh, Let Me Listen podcast produces, then please go to patreon.com slash lemme underscore listen and make a pledge or just click the Patreon link on the Let Me Listen website. We're only asking for $1 a month and the funds will go to making these podcasts better and ad-free. If you can't or just don't want to, don't worry about it. We still love you. And uh, thanks for listening. A podcast we'd like to recommend is the Pre-Review Podcast with the Celluloid Stallions. Every week, TNT pre-review an exciting new release and a movie podcast that thoroughly dissects movies regardless of them being released or not. No movie is safe. Unless these horses' asses haven't heard of it. You can find the Pre-Review Podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for the Pre-Review Podcast. Another podcast we like is Best Movie Never. A producer and screenwriter force guest filmmakers to dig out their old screenplay ideas out of the trash to be dissected, mocked, and possibly revived. Join Brad and Matt as they delve into the minds of movie makers in search of the craziest, far-fetched, worst, or possibly best movie ideas that never made the jump from page to picture. You can find Best Movie Never on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, as well as on their website at bestmovienever.biz. The plains people who hunt the purple buffalo have among them a great warning. He alone has a chance to fight the nothing and save us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show, Steve and I clamber on board a rocket ship destined to the cinema formation. (laughs) This is going bad real quick. It's like a constellation. And we find those planets that are movies. Oh, this metaphor is going wrong really bad. You know, great big movies like, oh, look, there's Gun with the Wind planet. That's a nightmare. Oh, look over there, the Maltese Falcon planet. Oh, that is good. And we sit down and we open up our, our diagnostic tools. We get the data guy on our spaceship to go okay let's take a look at that maybe that 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 planet isn't as good as everyone says it is i'm starting over this doesn't work at all hey everybody (laughs) welcome to late seating i am jason harding (laughs) and i am steve shives and on this show steve and i um uh, review classic movies to make people angry (laughs) much better We take a classic film, we take a look at it, and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. You know, if you see a movie that's sitting around on its laurels, just lounging around going, yeah, you know what, I'm the greatest movie ever, you guys don't know, I'm super great, and everyone else just goes, yeah, it's a great movie, because everyone saw it and everyone talks about it. Me and Steve, we go up to that lounging, stupid, laurel-sitting movie, and we kick it. And then we see if it if it can defend itself. And if it can't, then we kill it. We stomp it. We boot stomp it. That's what me and Steve are. That's We're right. Movie bullies. Hey, if the movie could handle itself, there wouldn't be a problem. Or if we find a you know a notoriously bad film living in a movie homeless shelter, uh, surviving on change. 
probably strung out, we go and we go, hey, and then we kick that one too. And if it defends itself and we discover, oh, this is really a good movie, maybe we'll give it some change so it can have a cup of coffee. That's that's just the kind we're fair minded people, I think. That's the kind of people we are. And if it turns out that it really is a bad movie and it deserves to live in that homeless shelter, we yeah. turn our backs on it forever. Exactly. You know, I'm not good, I'm not good with that metaphor either. Hi, yeah. everybody. Welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, Steve and I review classic films. That's it. I'm not I, I doing like a it. metaphor. We I did like two. It. One went horribly wrong. The other one was just dark, where it kind of intoned that we beat up homeless people. <laughs> This one is just neat and to the point. Exactly. And I appreciate that. Well, this time around, we decided to review a classic movie about uh, juvenile delinquents and how they uh, come to terms with the death of a parent and uh, we observe their slow descent into madness. The movie that we're reviewing is the classic fantasy film the never-ending story. Right, Steve? Uh, yes. You're going to get that stuck in their heads, and then they're going to want to bash their brains out with a brick like I've been wanting to do since <laughs> they watch the damn thing. I'm just trying to bring them into our world. Go, goody. Welcome to our tortured lives, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now, full disclosure before we start, uh, Steve hates fantasy films. I don't hate him. I'm not. I don't put that on Front Street. Them. He hates all I, fantasy films. I hate fuckers. them all. With Wizard your of wizards. Oz. He wants to stab in the face. Your elves and your magic. Take it away. Take it away from me. That's right. He likes realistic things like, like the Superman. Force. <laughs> yeah, like the Force. Exactly. Like Star Trek. You know, something really grounded in everyday <laughs> reality. Me, I like fantasy films as long as they're good, and uh, <laughs> we're going to let you know if we think that the never-ending story is good. So we're going to talk first off about who made all the, the this fantasy world of giant puppets and and little ugly fuglies or whatever they're called in the movie, you know, little creatures that are so cute and sweet that you just want to <laughs> rip your eyes out of your face. I'm mm. sorry. What? Oh, right. So who made it, Steve? No, I, that's my part. That's Never your mind. part. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'll do it. Yeah. Do that thing. Okay. It was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. His debut American film, even though technically this wasn't an American film. Um, produced by Bear O. Goody. Okay. Uh, this is a German production. And we all know how good Jason does with German names. So prepare <laughs> to cringe, German listeners. <laughs> produced by Bernd Eichinger. And Dieter Geisler. Oh, so far so good. Yeah. Screenplay by Wolfgang Peterson and Hermann Weigel. Based on the never-ending never story, the book by Michael Ende, who hated this movie, didn't, <laughs> want it, didn't want production to finish, and sued the production company unsuccessfully to prevent it from being made. <laughs> <laughs> and it stars Barrett Oliver, Noah Hathaway, Tammy Stronach, Alan Oppenheimer, Thomas Hill, Deep Roy, Tilo Pruchner, Moses Gunn, Sidney Bromley, Patricia Hayes, Gerald McRaney, Daryl Coxey, Drum Garrett, and Nicholas Gilbert. Music by Klaus Doldinger and <laughs> Giorgio Moroder. Cinematographer by Jost Vacano. Edited by Jane Seitz. Production company... 
This is the worst production company name ever. You ready? Let's hear it. Producers Sales Organization. <laughs> oh, it just fills your mind with yeah, imagination and magic. I can't magic, wait to see another producer Sales Organization movie. It's, uh, it, it's the Central African Republic of uh, production companies. E, it has a, a USSR production company name. <laughs> Moving Picture Concern of Russia presents <laughs> Up With Worker. Edit, uh, I did that. <laughs> Distributed by New Constantine Films, and that's in uh, Germany and Europe. And Warner Brothers Pictures here in the United States. It was released on April 6th, 1984 in West Germany, July 20th, 1984 in the United States. It runs a blessedly short 107 minutes. <sighs> it was budgeted in Deutschmarks at 60 million Deutschmarks. That's 27 million U.S. And the box office in U.S. dollars was 100 million. So it was very successful. Mm -hmm. And it was also the most expensive German film made to that date, to at wow. the time. It was the most most expensive film ever. Now, should they have spent so much money on this movie, Steve? No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was using that as a lead-in to do the plot summary, but okay. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Hey, um, I just wanted I to... get it. They did three intros, and then they just ended right after they t told us who made it. Best episode ever. We're letting them make their own decision. Uh, no, it's um. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to to put it out there that I did I did take German in college, oh. and I, I I I still suck at it. Okay, but I, well, that's I okay because this movie was not shot in German. Nor was no, it, it wasn't. Yeah, although it did really great in Germany, um, they well. made it very very much for English speaking audiences. They wanted this to yeah. be a hit in the United States. But I do think I have enough recall. To be able to get in the ballpark of pronouncing the movie's German title. Go for which, it. Which is Die Unendliche Geschichte. Sounds dirty. Yeah, it does. It sounds it's like the, something it's you all say the... to get led into a red light district club. <laughs> it's all the issues there. It's just not good. I hope this is a place where a giant dog, giant dog monster poops on me. <laughs> <laughs> Your story has become tiresome. Let's go to Falcor's cave. <laughs> they always have a good oh, floor show. You don't. Maybe one of those giant stone heads will come in and, and really light it up the party. <laughs> the, the, don't the know the what other... I'm talking about? We'll, we'll get to it real quick. You don't want to go to Falco's cave. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so let's 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 well, maybe talk about... Do you want to do about... this plot summary? What's time to do yeah. the plot summary? Sure, let's talk about what happens in the movie, Okay, I guess. yeah. It'll kill some, it'll kill, that'll kill some airtime. Yeah, go um, for it, Steve. Okay. Do it. So, I'm gonna do it. Go. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through the 107 minute never ending story. Okay. Uh, okay. So we meet our one of our heroes, which is actually no. We, first, we have a lot of clouds. We have clouds, clouds for the credits. Clouds, yeah. Rolling, rolling clouds. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we meet Bastion, who mm -hmm. is our our hero, sort of. Say his whole and name. Bastion Baltazar Bucks. <laughs> Yes, and we're my wondering friends. why he's getting picked on later on in the movie. Yeah, Bastion Balthazar Bucks. Um, mm -hmm. He and he's a, an elementary school student. I yeah. would guess he's what maybe in like first or second grade. He's like, like that. a preteen. Maybe a little older. No, he's yeah. older than that. He's like a preteen. He's probably maybe, twelve. Maybe twelve. Okay, so like fifth, sixth grade. He's something a like that. sullen little jerk. Um, 
He's a, he, he's going through some some shit. Okay, yeah. he's having a tough time. His mother has died. We learned from something uh, from, from movie. something. <laughs> his his mother has died from movie. The same thing that killed Star Lord's mom at the beginning. of, the <laughs> no, of the No, we know what killed uh, Star Lord's mom yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. We actually saw it so that it actually <laughs> meant something Char- at the beginning of Gal- Guardians <laughs> of the backstory. Galaxy. Backstory. His mother yeah. was killed by backstory. She wasn't um, some faceless, nameless, unknown person that we're yeah. supposed to give a damn about. We actually. <laughs> saw this person this movie now mom's dead from you know as, as far as we know gerald McRaney killed her yeah <laughs> yes because, okay and his father is gerald McCraney, which yeah, is one of those you may know him that... from simon and simon simon or, and simon what was major it? dad major dad that's yeah yes yeah and that's because gerald McCraney, because i used to simon and simon is one of those shows i used to watch with my dad he's a good actor was on in the actually, 80s. he's a, a he's a great actor so as an adult, when I see Gerald McCraney and like Simon and Simon era Gerald McCraney before he went completely bald and and went yeah, yeah. and it was made, I, I, it's, it's like oh it's Gerald McCraney. So that was sort of a and then he has one scene and he's never seen again. Yeah, he drinks some um, orange juice or something. And so yeah, Bastion's like, having. What's a, wrong with you? Exactly. I'm Bastion. stuck with this. My wife is dead, and I have this jerk who doesn't want to do anything. You wanted to take riding lessons, right? Yeah, but you're scared of horses. Yeah. What the fuck? What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> exactly. He's not the. He's. Tr- I mean, he. He's not like. He's trying to be sort of patient, but at the same time, he's, yeah. he's sort of like, "Hey, get your shit together, kid. Come on, you know, come on. Like, mom's get been over. dead. Mom's been dead for a week. It's time to move on. It's been more than that, but yeah. You know, yeah, it's been a while, but so because Bastion's having trouble in school, he's apparently like not been doing r- real well, and he's been skipping classes and stuff. Yeah. And major he's a, dad, he's a delinquent. He's a delinquent. <laughs> He's nothing but trouble, this Bastion yeah, yeah. kid. You can tell. And Major Dad is like, okay, just go to school, get your shit together. Uh, so Bastion's on the way to school, and yeah. as he's as he's walk, and he lives in one of those awesome cities where the cars don't drive in the street, where you yeah, can just Vancouver. walk. <laughs> you can just walk right down the middle of a street in the middle of a city, yeah. and there's no traffic anywhere. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, so he's he's on his way to school, and he he's confronted by three bullies. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, it's that kid with the dead mom and a stupid name. Let's <laughs> yeah. get him!" Get, get, and he's like, they they hit him up for lunch money, and he's like, "I don't have any money. Leave me alone!" And they chase him down an alley and and throw him into a garbage dumpster. Yeah, and it's uh, and unfortunately like, ha, 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 there'll be no comeuppance for us. <laughs> what what if he he finds a magic book that gives him wish powers, and then he comes back and he has a giant dragon dog eat us? That'll never oh. happen. <laughs> it's and fortunately for Bastion, it's one of those dumpsters where all the garbage is bone dry. Yeah, it's, it's just dry. a little bit of straw. Not wet garbage. No, not like you would. They don't ever dump find. him in medical waste. No, he's <laughs> like t- syringes sticking out of his cheek. Oh, not again! <laughs> oh no, I've got the AIDS again. I'm gonna have Dang to go it. to. Dad's gonna have to take me to urgent care again. <laughs> Um, so he gets, he pulls himself out of the dumpster and walks back out into the street and the bullies are just hanging there, out, yeah. <laughs> waiting for him. And they're like, Hey, they we know put a good in- thing when they see it. <laughs> we put you in the dumpster, not for you to get out, but to live there forever. <laughs> Sebastian runs again and he takes refuge in uh, a creepy old, like antique bookstore. I wouldn't say it's creepy. It's a creepy old antique bookstore. It's a bookstore. It's, it's a, book a dark store. bookstore that is going out of business because yeah. no one reads paper books anymore. That's right. And this Thanks, was like internet. And this is 1984. Well, no one read books so. in 1984 because the kids were too busy playing with the video games. Yeah, they were with their Atari 2600s and their Commodore 64s. Exactly. But he goes in there and kids. he meets this old dude, and he's like, "Hey, 
And he's like, hi. The old dude doesn't go, aren't you supposed to be like in school or something? Instead, he sees a book that has snakes on it. And he goes, what's this book? And the old man's like, oh, that's a, that's, you can't read that. That's not for you. You know how when you read books, you when you read like Robinson Crusoe, no twelve year old in nineteen eighty four read that damn book. It's like, <laughs> he also yeah. brings up Treasure Island, which yeah, I'm Treasure sure Island, has read. yeah, because a, a ninety year old man wrote the screenplay for this. But he's like, if you ever had you ever felt like you were actually in the stories. And he's like, no, how about Fifty Shades of Grey, where oh, you yeah. actually feel like you've been strapped up <laughs> to a harness? <laughs> no, no, how about Fight Club? <laughs> I didn't. I haven't read that one either. Oh. <laughs> you illiterate little punk. Lady Chatterley's lover? No, I'm lonely, little boy. <laughs> how about the novelization to Back to the Future? Anyway, the old man describes the book like crack. He basically says, this yeah. is the most awesome book you will ever read. You will feel like you're in it, experiencing everything. I'm going to go away for an undefined period of time. Yeah. And Bastion steals the book. Yep. He leaves him a note, though. Learn a lesson, kids. You can steal anything so long as you leave a note that says you're going to bring it back. Wink. That's the way the world works. Which, by the way, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, not that we ever see. He could have at least maybe had Falcor, like, you know, drop it off. Excuse me! Throw it in the window. No, he doesn't talk like that. Excuse me. Here is the book that Bastion stole from you. <laughs> um, So he steals the book, and then he goes to school, right? Yeah, he and he gets there late, so yeah, everybody's he's already in class. The, yeah. And they're having the math test. He looks through the prison door. Yeah. Out of his classroom, there's like a little slat. Exactly. Where you can just peek into this iron door for his classroom. Yeah, and rather and, than go in late and start the test, he what does he do? He he goes into the school's attic. Oh yeah, that's which safe. is like this is the coolest school ever. It ha- yeah. and it's it's a spooky attic. It's got like skeletons. It's a school and, with an attic. <laughs> yeah, he goes to it and. and that he can get into and lock himself in and just spend the yeah. whole day up in the school's creepy attic reading mm-hmm. this book. So that's what he does. And you know what? So far, what have we learned, kids? We've learned, number one, your your parents don't understand you, so don't talk to them, even when they're trying desperately to reach out to you <laughs> in a household of pain. No, number two, <laughs> theft is okay so long as you leave a note. Lesson number three, math is stupid, and so is school. Yes, truancy is better. Why don't you become a shut-in and just read and have those be your friends forever? Wouldn't that be good? Do what you dream. That is not what's happening at the beginning of this. (laughs) So he starts reading the book, The Never-Ending Story, which is the name of the book and the movie. Hmm, Convenient. Creepy. It's weird. It's so meta. Yeah, I know. It gets more meta. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So what happens when he cracks open that that dusty tome? As as he begins to read, that's when we start experiencing the story as well. The movie shifts from just the kid reading the book to the the story of the book. And right, we are, exactly. We are transported to the land of Fantasia, as we soon enough learn that it is called. And it's this wonderful fantasy world. With, is it wonderful? It, with extraordinary creatures. Yeah, we meet a little shitty hobbit, hobbit thing that rides on a snail that goes fast somehow. 
Yeah, and it's a racing snail. Weird okay. troll motherfucker who's in a really, really inappropriate relationship with a narcoleptic bat mm-hmm. and um, yeah. a giant lumpy rock thing. Yeah. With a rock, rock tricycle. I was just going to say, he rides a rock bike. <laughs> <laughs> also also known as the inadverted, inadverted murder machine, because yes. nothing is surviving in front of <laughs> if he's coming at you. No, it's, it's, it's basically a, a giant uh, walking mountain riding a uh, steamroller yeah. <laughs> across the country <laughs> and flattening everything yeah. in its path. And they're all headed towards the... The, the 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 ivory tower the ivory ivory tower mm-hmm. isn't that a isn't yeah, that a I, novel I, yeah oh, no, I didn't and you know I didn't think the like the ivory tower when people mention it in conversation it's never yeah. anything good no it's always like oh you stand up there in your ivory tower I was expecting to see Anne Rand up at the top of the ivory tower <laughs> hello you must travel to the fountainhead <laughs> <laughs> but don't get any help. <laughs> and don't help anyone else either unless you really want to so we open with these three fuckers who we don't actually spend any time with at all no whatsoever. they're our exposition crew there's no way that that mountain that the rock biter that's the giant mountain thing who yeah. eats rocks by the way that's why they call him a rock biter get it um the, he there's no way he's getting into the tower so <laughs> i don't even know why he's there but they're all there to tell the empress hey there's a thing that's uh, gobbling up Fantasia. And we go up to the very top of the, the ivory tower, and then inside the ivory tower is a whole bunch of really super fucked up creatures. Just oh, yeah. really super weird, like uh, Andy Warhol having a, a fever dream. <laughs> yeah. You know, giant things that are just stone heads. Mm-hmm. And um, thing, well, people with two faces and yeah. three faces on one head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're all standing around like a bunch of dorks, because I guess they're experiencing the same thing. And um, giant penis head man comes out, and he goes, Hey, guess what? Uh, the Empress would like to help you, but she's dying for some reason. And everyone becomes upset, right? They are, like, very concerned. Oh, no, not the Empress, I, I guess she is. I guess we should be concerned, too, because uh, this is a character... The Empress is a character that we've never seen, spent no time with, have known nothing about. <laughs> hey, but, you know, a sick Empress is nothing to fuck around with. Yeah, I mean, but that's... I guess we're supposed to be concerned? Yeah, it's are a we? sick Empress, man. Yeah, she's the only one that can stop this thing called the Nothing, yeah. which is making... Eating up all of Fantasia. And uh, Penis Head, dude goes oh but the empress uh, but i i what we're going to do is we're going to get our greatest warrior and he's going to go and and he's going to find out how we can cure her does that sound great <laughs> and they're like sure who are you let's getting? do that and he says we're going to get a tray of the plains people yeah the hunters of the purple oh god don't make me say this the hunters of the purple <laughs> buffalo and Atreyu walks up, and guess what, Steve? What? Atreyu's a little boy. Oh my god, no. Yeah. 
Bastion says it even. A little boy. Like, it's really surprising that a fantasy novel geared towards children would have a child lead hero. That's impossible for us to believe. But Atreus like, hey, I'm here. And other people go, you can't do this. And he's like, fine, I'll go back to hunting the purple buffalo, you fucks. Have, have fun getting <laughs> swallowed up by the nothing, assholes. Later. And the penis head guy is like, no, please. I'm, I'm sorry, dude. It's really it's super important. And he's like, okay. And so Atreyu rides off on his horse, Artax. Don't get attached. And they go... <laughs> Enjoy this one scene with Artax. Right. But then we cut to what, Steve? We There's something else going on in Oh, Vector. yeah. There's, a, there's a, at the same time as Atreyu sets off on his quest, there's yeah. this evil creature. Not uh, creature. Uh, an uh, evil puppet. An evil, yes. <laughs> with green eyes. and Made by people who clearly don't understand how animals work. <laughs> and it sets off on a, on a quest of its own. Yeah. And it's... It works for the nothing. Yeah, it and seems it's to be... called The Mork. It's actually called Gamork. Gamork but every time yeah. I listen to the movie, it sounds like they're saying Mork. Mork, yeah. Like, what? That doesn't look like Mork. Nanu, Nanu! Anyway, uh... <laughs> yeah, so it springs out of its cave, and I guess we're supposed to become scared. Yep. It's scary. It's a scary wolf monster with green eyes. Yeah. And then we cut back to Atreyu just riding around, riding and riding and riding and riding. All over the frickin' place looking for somebody who knows something about something, right? Yeah, he's he the only the only guidance he was given before he left the the tower was they gave him the little the the necklace the Orin which is like a, a medallion that's yeah. the same as the snake medallion on the front of the book that Bastion right. is reading. And Bastion turns to the front of the book and he goes, oh, yeah. oh he yeah he connects the dots for us, which is yeah. nice. He's like, oh, get it, huh? Yeah. Get it. And it's uh, while he's reading about him riding around all over the place that Bastion starts becoming really disturbed. Uh, because at one point, he decides he's going to eat his lunch, and he takes a bite out of it, and he goes, No, I have to make this food last. As if he's on the quest with Bastion, and if he doesn't. Yeah. So he has to start rationing his food. That's what crazy people do. That is a crazy person thing. You're reading a book, Bastion. <laughs> he's being caught up in the story. Yeah, he's meanwhile, being transported school by has magic. closed, and now he's locked in the school. By the way, yeah. And don't you love how when the school, like the the, the school day ends, the final bell rings, that all of the students and teachers immediately file out, and moments later, the lights are shut off. Like yeah. nobody has any work to do after the final bell of this school. Exactly. Now, does <laughs> They're he all like going candles? Home. Yes. Because, you know, common in most school rooms, you can't just keep a shitload of candles up in the attic. Yeah, I'm telling you. In case you, you want to burn the school down. This this school attic is the coolest place ever. They've got yeah, they've got candles, they've got skeletons, they've got They've creepy, got taxidermied mon- yeah. uh, monsters, uh, animals. Yeah, it's, I mean, why wouldn't you hang out there all and day? And a great big window. A great big window, yeah. yes. So uh, he decides, I've got to go into the Swamps of Sadness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I said that. And That's what it's called. <laughs> to go find Morla, because Morla might know what the Empress needs to be cured. Right. And the thing about yeah. the Swamps of Sadness is that if you become overcome with sadness, the swamps suck you down into, in, into the swamps. And... Um, Artax, realizing that he is in an awful film, 
being told to us by a twelve year uh, by a moody twelve year old juvenile delinquent says, "Fuck this noise, I'm out of here." And Atreyu desperately tries to get Artax to not get sucked down into the swamp. And it is perhaps one of the funniest things ever is this horse is being sucked into the swamp and he's just standing there nonchalantly like nothing's <laughs> going on. But Atreyu's like, okay. you're being overcome with sadness! And the horse is just like, no, I'm just standing here while guys off stage lower me into the swamp. <laughs> just and, being a horse. Yeah. So Artax is literally gone. Yep. And here's one of the weird things. Um, one could say that the next scene where they show um, little booger man uh, Atreyu mm-hmm. that he is perhaps upset a little indeed, bit indeed very sad <laughs> <laughs> is he sinking into the swamps of sadness nope he it is just, not <laughs> it just it just underlines how deeply depressed that horse was <laughs> He was way depressed. <laughs> that horse was just, you couldn't tell, but he was having a really hard time. He wasn't sure about this from the from the get-go. And, you he know, probably said happened. it right at the outset of the adventure. Okay, Artax, we have to go and, and find a cure for the Empress. Uh, really not up for any adventuring, really. My, my mom died. My dad... My dad got chopped up into meat like the other day. Dude, I just, I can't. I'm telling you right now, I don't. I just want to sleep. Can I sleep? No, Artax, we're going. Oh, oh God. And we're cutting through the swamps of sadness. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, old friend. But now Atreyu, our hero, is pushing through the swamp and the gook and everything else. And he comes across another gigantic creature. Or another huge puppet. (laughs) And that puppet is called... Morla the Ancient One. Morla the Ancient One, which is... Big old turtle. Yeah, big old turtle, which I didn't realize the first time I saw it when I was 15. I just thought it was a big old lumpy thing out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you know me, I love big turtles. Well, one big turtle, Gamera. And I (laughs) wish Gamera was there. Because Gamera is the friend of all children. Gamera would have actually fucking helped Atreyu. <laughs> this movie could have used some Gamera. I'll oh my god, could it ever. I'll agree but, with you on that. Um, Morla is useless. Um, <laughs> they gave, they, it's like, how many personality traits can we give this boring-ass character? Okay, let's uh, make her talk really super slow. Uh, let's make her forgetful. And <laughs> let's make her sneeze constantly. That's That's enough, right? Couldn't we just write character development? No! What? (laughs) We're giving her traits that imitate character. It's easier that way. Yeah, so he's like, hey, Morla, I need uh, help with the Empress. Morla's like, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know anything at all. Why don't you go find the Southern Oracle? That's it. <laughs> yeah. So he's gone. He's, he, he's gone on like, one quest to find. If you answers. were smaller, I would kill you, Morla. <laughs> yeah. So he goes back to the trudging through the swamps, and then he gets tired. And uh oh, the mork is coming. The mork is running through the swamps because yeah. nothing is going to depress the mork. No, he's happy. Oh yeah, he he's, loves his work. The mork has a job to do now. In the books, the mork is a werewolf. 
I I don't know if the Mork in this is just a giant wolf. I think he's just a giant wolf. That's the impression I got. Yeah. And just as the giant wolf is about to get him, uh, a giant weird white hand claw thing comes down and grabs Atreyu and then flies away like a big squiggly sperm into the sky. Yep. And we're kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And we you we, get this next part, Steve. We learn well. We learn in the following scene that what happened was a little literary device that you may have learned about in college called Falcor Ex Machina, where Falcor <laughs> runs in out of nowhere for no reason and rescues our hero from a, a certain doom. I'm here for no reason. <laughs> and now he likes children. Okay, first of all, Falcor is a luck oh, dragon. Oh boy, yeah. So Atreya wakes up. Yeah. And he's like, what the... And he's asleep against Falcor. Yeah. Like they've just had sex. Yes, that's... Yeah. Which I doesn't help know. matters much the way Falcor behaves afterwards. He because likes it's like children. a pedophile died and was reborn in a luck dragon. That's what he says <laughs> he is. He's a luck dragon. He looks more like a big dog with a skin disease. Yes. Yeah, he's like a, a white lizard with a dog's head. Yeah, Basically. with fur yeah. and big floppy ears. And he's another big puppet. He's a big puppet this mm-hmm. time. And he's like, hello, Atreyu. Hello, Atreyu. I'm Falcor. Uh-huh. I know what you're doing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I saved you and you owe me. Somehow, I know that I'm supposed to take you to the Southern Oracle. You've taken me to the Southern Oracle? Almost. The Morla said it was 10,000 miles away. Yeah, I've brought you (laughs) 9,991, which means he still has like 100 miles to go. (laughs) Yep. But, you know, almost there. Yeah, but before we before we can see Falcor's pink hot dog come out, two Uh little gnome things come running out of out of a out of a cave. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's Billy Crystal and Carol Kane from it's, The Princess yeah, Bride. <laughs> I like the, I actually like the the actor who plays the the uh, both actors actually they've been in, they've been in lots of British films, and uh, one of them is the is the sorceress from Willow. Boy, she has all the luck, doesn't she? Yes, yes, yes. These are like little. Uh, I no, guess they're well, gnomes, according gnome to people. The, yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, we study that. The, the, the guy is like, I study the Southern Oracle I have for since forever. And this is my wife. She. I hate her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, relationship's going to end in murder at some point. <laughs> um, but she's the one that patched him up and she makes him drink some stuff. And the guy is like, okay, well, there's the first Southern Oracle right there. And oh, what? how convenient. There's a knight coming up to the Southern Oracle, and you mm-hmm. have to pass a test. And the first test is, you gotta believe in yourself. Right? Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. And if you have any doubt, the Southern Oracle is gonna kill the crap. Oh, look, they're killing <laughs> oh, the crap out of that guy. That, that, also, they're... by the way, the Southern Oracle did check out the rack on that thing. <laughs> Hey, little kids, check the rack out on this Southern Oracle. <laughs> Nipples always erect. It's a small wonder why I study it all the time. <laughs> Alone. I hate my wife. I make her dress up like that, put fake wings on her. And... 
She just gets angry at me. Yeah. I sometimes I feel like just walking off into the Southern Oracle and having it kill me itself. That's the death for me. <laughs> I know it's the way this is going. Some eventually. And when he's then Atreus like, what about the second one? And the gnome is like, I don't know. <laughs> oh no, he does know. It's yeah. It's, but it's, he doesn't really tell him, does he? He just says it's, no, it's even worse or something. because Atreyu sets off and walks 100 miles. <laughs> yeah, Atreyu... This will tell you something about Atreyu. Atreyu sees the knight get turned into potted meat by the, <laughs> by the Southern Oracle's laser beams. And his reaction is, I'm going to try that. Yeah, I'm going to go because I'm Atreyu and I'm up. awesome. I kill purple buffalo. Yeah, god damn it. So he slowly walks through green screen land... Or blue screen land. This is 1984. Yes. And uh, the model of the first Southern Oracle, he walks, he almost gets past, but then it opens its eyes because he's not feeling good and, and about himself. And the gnome guy is like, run, Atreyu! And then Bastion goes, run, Atreyu! And then Atreyu goes, maybe I should run. And so he runs and <laughs> shoots the laser beams and they miss him. Whew. I thought he oh. wasn't going to make it. But the old man goes, oh, but now he has to face the second test, which is a mirror that shows him his true self. Uh-huh. <laughs> what happens there? Well, brave men find out they're really cowards. And strong men find out they're weak. And, you know, you basically get it. It shows you, <laughs> what, you know. Do I have to keep... Exp okay, fine. Uh, uh, tall men find out they're short. And <laughs> short men find out they're tall. How's that a bad thing? Shut up, I'm on a roll. <laughs> Talented fielders find out they're actually excellent hitters. <laughs> it, can, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It could be a it's, good it's, thing. Yeah, it's not always bad. So Atreyu walks up, but now all of a sudden there's snow all over the place. Yeah. And he walks up to the mirror and he looks in it and he sees what is perhaps the scariest thing you could possibly see. And that is the fact that, in truth, he's not much more than a stupid story being read, read by a juvenile delinquent in a locked-up school. He handles it pretty well, mostly because I think he, he does. has no it idea what it should have torn his brain apart. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> because what we see, what he sees in the mirror is he sees Bastion reading the book, and then Bastion looks up. And then Bastion has his own freak out. He throws the book away, and he's yeah. like, this, this can't be happening. This thing isn't real. Rather than question his sanity, get out of the school and run home to his father, he has to go back and he has to finish reading the book, because as we established before, as the old man told him, this book is crack. Yep. Okay? <laughs> you can't it put it down. So, after he got done vomiting, Atreyu went on to the last part of the Southern Oracle, the one that has all the answers, right? Yeah. And it's boring because it's the same statue that we saw the first time, except now it's a second time. So yeah, and it's it, blue. And it's blue it's now. It's blue this time. But it's the same exact statue with different lighting. <laughs> and, you know, with the big boobs and the pert nipples and everything else. And if you're a real little kid, you're like right on the cusp or you're 12 years old, you're either masturbating or you're just titillated. But, I mean, those are the most boobs you're going to be seeing in a kid's movie. Yeah. And the Southern Oracle's like, okay... <laughs> Hi. And Benson's like, I need. Oh wait, what MacGuffin am I looking for? What do I need? I oh, I need the cure for the Empress because she's sick of something. 
And the Southern Oracle goes, what you need is to find a human child. And Atreya goes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, the Southern Oracle's like, you have to go and find a human child past the borders of Fantasia, which yeah. they've already established is infinite, I think is what they say. For yeah. an infinite thing, it sure is getting gobbled up quickly <laughs> by the nothing. Infinite, infinity is getting smaller and smaller all the time. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, oh, okay. And the, or the second oracle's like, okay, time for me to crumble away into dust now. Bye. And it crumbles away into dust because the nothing's coming. Yep. And uh, Atreyu jumps onto the back of the of the giant dog. <laughs> and they fly around. And then uh they get struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and something uh, happens. there's a storm. Well, they they run up, they run no, close they to fly the all over the first they fly yeah. all over the place looking for a human child. <laughs> After already being told it's past the borders of Fantasia, idiot, what are you doing? <laughs> just in case just in case one wandered in. Well, we have scene after scene of, of Falcor and Atreyu just flying the fuck all over. And then there's a storm. And Atreyu falls off Falcor's back. And he loses the little snake charm. Yeah. And he washes up on the shores of this island, I guess. Or something. And there's an old town there. Right? Yeah. And he finds uh, the rock biter. Yeah, the rock biter is there ha- is having an existential fucking crisis. <laughs> He's not had a good day. No, he hasn't because <laughs> his stupid little friends. Okay, so here's what happened. He, he's having, he's looking at his hands, and they're like, they were big. They look like big, strong hands, don't they? And he couldn't hold on to his friends, and they got sucked up by the nothing. And now he's just going to sit there and let the nothing take him. Suicide, kids. What do you think of that, kids? Suicide. <laughs> Sometimes it's Meanwhile, the best option, kids. Atreyu anyway, moving on. is like, I don't know where I am. I've got to find a human child. I've lost my luck dragon. And I just said that line out loud. Oh, my God. <laughs> what kind of movie is this? <laughs> <laughs> so he wanders into this, like, uh, ancient abandoned city. Yeah. And he finds a mural, and it has all of his adventure on it. And that's when he meets the Mork. <laughs> the Mork. Yeah, and the Mork like, comes up and he says, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> and Atreus like, "I'm I'm good." And the Mork is like, I, "Look, I I work for the Nothing. What is the Nothing? Oh, it's uh, so glad you asked. Yeah, I'm going to tell you because uh, I'm going to kill you right after I, I'm done. Is that okay? I guess I don't care anymore." <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. And he says that the nothing is adulthood. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Here's a better one. The nothing is Steve. Okay? <laughs> oh, now. <laughs> when you grow up, you hate fantasy and you hate imagination, and that's what the nothing is. It's it's people without imagination yeah. or anything. And, um, and Atreya goes, you work for the nothing. And he goes, no, I work for the power behind the nothing. What's that? Oh no, he doesn't ask that question. I'd like to know what the <laughs> Wouldn't power that be interesting? Yeah. Is. That would be cool. The but publishing industry. Yeah. And then he goes, "Well, I was sent to kill Atreyu and I can't find him. I'm bad at my job and what do you want from me? I'm just a big puppet." And Atreyu goes, "Well, since there's death all around us and uh, there's no hope and I don't have my luck dragon, I may as well do this. Hey Mork, 
Guess what my name is? <laughs> I'm a Treyu. Come get some. And the Mork comes to try to get some, and then there's a lightning flash, and if you wanted to have a big fight between a werewolf and this kid, you're not going to get it. Nope. He uh, goes down real easy. basically lays down on top of him and gets stabbed, and he's dead. <laughs> here's, here's my interpretation of this scene, okay? Okay. Okay, so, because it might look, if you just watch the movie and, and treat it very superficially, it might look as though this was just a very lazy, poorly staged fight where the Gamork just happens to run into Atreyu's knife. Yeah. What I contend actually happened is when the Gamork realized that Atreyu was right there and was the person he had been chasing this whole time and had failed to catch... Yeah. And he had run out of time, and the nothing was right on his back, and he knew he had completely failed in his quest. He was so overcome with grief and with and with, with self-doubt that he decided yeah. to take his own life, and he threw himself purposely on Atreyu's knife. That is what okay. I think happened. Uh, Never-ending story conspiracy theories aside, Mork <laughs> is dead. <laughs> yep. And the nothing is coming, but oh, thank goodness... Here comes Falcor. It sure is lucky that he happened along. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and he picks up Atreyu and they fly off. And then Atreyu falls asleep. He, something happens because when he wakes up. Oh, no. Yeah, doesn't he wake up and everything's gone? Everything's gone. Part? Yeah, it's just like an asteroid yeah. field. <laughs> it's an asteroid field. There's space. Falcor's still flying around. And uh, Atreyu's like, well, how? what am I? I bet all the purple buffalo are gone. <laughs> Not to mention everybody that we just met and whatever family I had back in my tribe. And how are we still alive? Anyway, never mind. We failed, Falcor. (laughs) We're losers. Uh, Oh, but wait. What's that, Steve? The Ivory Tower is still there. Oh, thank goodness. Nothing can destroy the power of Ayn Rand. Let's go! And uh, Falcor lands outside of it, and he's like, you have to go in because uh, it's too expensive to move this giant puppet into this space. (laughs) You go. So he goes in, and now we're finally going to meet the Empress, who's this little 12-year-old girl wearing way too much of her mom's makeup. Yes. And she don't even look sick. No, she's (laughs) a faker. She wanted to stay home from school, too. And he's like, look, I when I tried to find a, a human child, and I couldn't find one, and I know you need... Oh, yeah, did we cover this? The human child has to give her a new name. Yeah. That, that's, that'll fix everything. That'll if, fix it all. If Bastion... It's mentioned earlier that if... if, if Best if if the human child gives her a new name, everything is fixed. And Bastion looks up from the book and goes, "I would name her after my mom. She had a beautiful name. No, she didn't. You're insane." <laughs> so now um, Atreyu's like, "I didn't bring any human being with me," and she said, "Yeah, you did. He's been following your adventures this whole time, right?" Bastion. Bastion has another freak out. <laughs> what? Because the book is talking directly at him. Uh, the nothing starts eating the ivory tower. Uh, the empress starts having a real freak out. <laughs> yeah. She's screaming at Bastion to uh, say her name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Bastard's like, I don't know what to do with this. It's changed considerably since this movie came out. Bastard doesn't quite know how to respond. He's he's working through some feelings. He's like, is this a sex thing? What? You're wearing a lot of makeup, but we're still both 12 years old. This doesn't doesn't feel right. (laughs) And then Bastion, who says a line that was actually written for someone to speak in a movie, says, I will... I will live. Is it? I will live my dream. Yeah, yeah. As he pounds his fists on the floor. Yeah, and he runs up to the window and he throws open the window and he screams. Blackout. Now, for people who think that I just made up that, I didn't. That's nope. what's in the movie. That's what he says. I have no idea what he says, but thankfully. <laughs> thanks to the book and also thanks for uh putting a uh an english uh caption on the on the film you can find out what he actually says his mother's name is moon child so he's in the zappa family <laughs> that's pretty cool <laughs> Moonchild. Moonchild. Now, uh, we've seen his dad. Right? <laughs> Seems like a pretty normal, middle-class father, wearing yeah. a tie, getting ready to go to work. Yep. Really can't picture him taking his wife to the office party and saying, oh, hi, guys. Uh, oh, hey, Gerald, how are you doing? I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, I don't know if you guys met my wife, Moonchild. <laughs> <laughs> Moonchild Bucks. That's yes. her name. Moonchild Bucks. <sighs> anyway, yep. So it's all gone, all, all gone dark. We don't know where we are, except there's one little tiny glowy light. What is that little tiny it's, glowy light? It's a single grain of sand, which is all that remains of the the once vast land of Fantasia. Well, that and the Empress and the Empress and Bastion, who are standing there together, and uh, yeah. yeah, and He's I have like, to are say, we gonna make out now. <laughs> I, I have to say, the Empress is pretty cool about the whole thing because, I mean, if Bastion had just been a little quicker on the uptake and, give, yeah. and given her a name, maybe there would have been a whole rock left. Yeah, I mean, she's pretty cool about it. Yeah, there's only a grain of sand left. You maybe took a little too long to give me the name. Anyway, no bygones. Yeah. Water under mm-hmm. the bridge. And she tells him, "Hey, all you have to do is make a wish." And Fantasia will be back and awesome, and you can wish anything you want, and forever. Isn't that great? And Bastion's like, Bastion's like, I don't know. And he goes, I wish. And then all of her clothes came off. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. It's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can find fanfic where that happens. Oh, I have. No doubt in my mind, you sick bastard. There is so much slash fiction for yeah. for the last scene of Neverending Story. Mm, yeah. Falcor gets in on it. I bet. <laughs> yes, in in some dark pit of the internet, you can find. But Bastion goes, "I wish," and then it kind of trails off. And you're like, "Is the movie ending? Is this the end of the movie?" Nope, not quite. What do we get? He wishes. Well, first he he he's on. Bastion is riding Falcor. Yeah, and he's like, okay, that's cool. He wanted to I ride Falcor. I believe it. Fantasia is exactly the way I pictured it, Falcor. <laughs> and Falcor's like, that's right, strange little boy. <laughs> yeah. What the hell did you expect? Your powers terrify me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pawn in your game. 
<laughs> and we pass by the rock biter who's okay and the fucking guy who's fucking a bat and the snail dude and they're all alright everybody's they're happy at him like he's somebody that they know <laughs> and Treo and Artax are riding around just riding just, just riding around somewhere that's right and they're flying all over the place and uh, Falcor has to remind him that he oh, he's like what's your next wish revenge <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly Petty, childish revenge. And where, where do we cut to, Steve? We've cut to the the town where Bastion lives, and there are the three bullies that tormented him at the beginning, and now here comes the giant flying dragon dog. D- dragon dog. <laughs> bearing he's, down he's on them. Less, he's less dragon and more dog. He, yeah, especially from the front. It's, a, it's pretty we, much we just we a dog. Because we neglected to mention, uh, Falcor flies around, but he doesn't have any wings. No. He just flies. Yeah, he's like a like an Asian style dragon, not yeah, like a so. not like yeah. a, a, a European style dragon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what happens? Well, Falcor and Bastion, with with Bastion urging him on and screaming at the bullies, he chases the bullies down the street and down the same aisle where the alley where and they, they chase him. Voluntarily jump into the dumpster. They, they jump into the garbage. Yeah. What? He flies off. He flies away, and the narrator, and, which we've and never... And a different narrator who, <laughs> than who's been narrating for the entire damn movie. A woman, right? It's a different voice, It's right? a different voice. I think it's a man, though. Is it? Yeah, I it think is. it is, okay. yeah. He goes, and so Bastion made more wishes and became... And and had many more adventures, and he enslaved the human race <laughs> to bow to his will. But that... Is another story. Oh, please. I, w- I want more, don't you? Yeah. The end. Uh. Uh. Okay, Steve. <laughs> Since we are, you already told us. <laughs> oh. How do you feel about the never-ending story? I'll tell you. Uh, in, a, in a sense... Review us reviewing this movie kind of brings a, a, an aspect of this show of ours full circle because I think we have <laughs> we have been accused in the past, or maybe some of our listeners have thought that you know what we do is kind of ruin people's childhoods because yeah. we take movies that they really loved when they were younger and we we you know reveal that actually no we don't think they're that great. Well, yeah. this week we're ruining my childhood <laughs> because. <laughs> <laughs> because the never-ending story when I was a kid, I was I was four when this movie came out, and I didn't see it until a few years after that. But once I saw it, like on on VHS, when I was a, uh, a kid in elementary school, when your probably, parents are like, "God, shut shut Steve up, just stick him in front of the TV, exactly, and stick a never-ending story, in. exactly, just shut up and watch your movie." Uh, I was I was about Bastion's age, flying dogs and shit. Yeah, I was about Bastion's age, or maybe a little younger, when I discovered the movie, and I just loved it. I watched it like over and over again, and it was just terrific. And you then wore that VHS tape out, I did, man. And 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 then I didn't, you know, I got into. I got older and got more into movies and kind of forgot about it. And I didn't. I don't think I had watched it. Uh, since I was a kid until I watched it for this. Yeah, and. It's. It, I remembered it a little differently. Oh, really? It's, I remember it being far more thrilling and far more better. And yeah. Not as cheap looking. Not as, and not as and not as 
creepy and weirdly suggestive in certain yeah. parts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's when I when I watch it now, I mean, I still have a nostalgia for it because I remember what it was like for me as a kid. But looking at yeah. it now with 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 adult eyes, you can see that it's it's not very well paced. It's not very well structured. No. Uh, there are a lot of. I mean, it it sort of goes for broke emotionally. Like there there are oh, scenes. Oh boy, does it! Yeah, have. where like, and I think maybe they do that to try to compensate for the the, the shortcomings in the storytelling story or character development. Yeah, like these because like, like we talked about during the summary, there's this the scene where the horse gets dragged into the swamp and that's literally the second scene in the movie that we've seen that horse we have no connection yeah. to that horse at all we have nope. no we have no sense that atreyu has any special connection to that horse right nope. and now all of a sudden it's like oh my god they're best friends and the horse is being dragged to his death under the swamp and atreyu is yeah. crying and screaming and when i was a kid that worked on me as an adult i'm like i don't even know who these people are yeah. Why do I give a shit about they, any they of They throw a lot at you where you're supposed to give a damn, like the Empress. Yeah. The Empress, the, there's so many MacGuffins in this damn movie. Oh, yeah. The Empress is a MacGuffin till the very end. We don't, we've never seen her. We have no idea who she is, how she's important, why she's important. She's just, because the story said so, she's important. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Pretty much everything that that the, the hero is asked to do like falls into that category. It's you you must go on a quest, okay? You must go to this land and seek out this thing, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you want us to care about the empress? How about we meet her while she's sick? How right. About give her some dialogue, make her an actual character. And how about we get some backstory on Atreyu? Yeah. And because what the, what's frustrating about this movie is that the 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 premise is is that this is a book. That is so engrossing and so and so uh, vibrant that you feel like you're living the life of the main character. Right. But the movie forgets that in order for an audience to feel that way, we need we need backstory for a character in order to give a damn about them. We don't know anything about Atreyu other than he hunts the purple buffalo. Right. That's it. And he has a horse named Artax. And no, nothing is given to show how they're close friends before they kill off Artax. They keep running into a series of characters that were introduced to briefly, and then they disappear from the film. Yeah. Uh, altogether. Which leads to us not really caring about what's going to happen. We, we figure it's going to have a happy ending. I don't think that the nothing destroys everything and that's the end. <laughs> it would make for a hell of a great German movie. Yeah. That's for sure if it ended with bleakness. <laughs> and Werner Herzog comes out and goes, this is it. This is the end of the movie. Blackness. Like our lives. The same which awaits us at the end of our journeys. There is no luck dragon coming for you to save you from the jaws of the abyss. Falcor will not pluck you from oblivion. Um, Life is I, pain punctuated by non-existence. <laughs> Goodbye. See, I don't have any nostalgic feelings for this film because yeah. I was 15 when it came out. I did see it when it finally came onto cable. It was not a film that I was rushing out to the theater to go see. <laughs> um, and when I saw it, I thought, oh, it's a movie. you know. But it, it had a lot of weird stuff to it that I just, you know, kind of takes me out of the film. Yeah. Falcor is a puppet. He's a giant rig, right? Yeah. But he's not a convincing... Rig, and you have to remember at the time we were we the special effects were kind of upping their game at that point, and we had seen Jabba the Hutt, we had seen lots of other interesting creatures that had been put on screen, and if there was a movie that was 
desperately needed the Jim Henson Company. Oh, big time. This movie desperately needed the Jim Henson Company. Yeah. Instead, it felt like they got, oh, we got... Let's get um, uh, Werner and, and Heinrich to make all the puppets. Do you know how to make a puppet? No. We'll make it anyway. <laughs> Figured it out. <laughs> and so they're all rubbery and they move weird yeah. and they they are fixated with tongues. Yeah. They love tongues in these things, which would work great if the insides of their mouths weren't dry and just lifeless. <laughs> Um, but uh, the technical parts of it is is one thing, but uh, the big problem I can forgive lots of technical stuff. I, you no, know, sure. I can forgive bad special effects, but the story itself is just kind of like I don't know what it's trying to tell us. What is this movie ultimately trying to tell us? That imagination is great, fine, okay. Is that it? That <laughs> imagination is is great, okay. Thanks, movie, yeah. for telling me that. Now, imagination is great. Now I know. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You know, I I'm think going to have the battle. GI <laughs> Joe. <laughs> I think I had a similar thought when I was watching it. It's that I I feel like I do think depending on how you look at it and maybe part of it is me reading into it and part of it is something that maybe is actually intended by the filmmakers, but I do think there are things that the movie wants to say about the way that an audience engages with art or with story about, you know, the way we sort of are pulled into the books we love or the films yeah, yeah, we yeah. love. I mean, there's a lot there that it's not necessarily deep, but, no. but is, but could be really meaningful. And, mm -hmm. and it's just sort of laid very, very normally on the surface. Like the, the movie doesn't execute that message very well. No. Uh, it, it, it presents certain themes that could potentially be very interesting, but it doesn't explore them in any kind of way that makes them, resonate uh so basically you just have uh, a story about a boy reading a book about a fantasy story that just is really poorly put together and yeah, all the message yeah. that it's trying to put across to you about oh the magic of imagination and reading and you know uh all these mm -hmm. incredible stories we can we can transport ourselves to whenever we want you know it's like yeah but that's not that's not what i'm getting <laughs> you know? i get that from the opening of reading rainbow Yes, yes, come on. Come, yeah. Um, All I need is the opening theme song to Ringing Rainbow. That's the whole plot of this goddamn book. You know, I, uh, sorry, the whole plot of this movie. I'll tell you what, you, you throw in. Um, you LeVar th Burton. You throw at the in end of LeVar it. Burton. <laughs> Gamera and LeVar Burton could have saved this movie. Um, I think what it, uh, what it mostly is is that there are cheesy parts. There's lots to make fun of in this film. Um,. But a lot of it is very bland. Yeah. It's very bland. And I think that if you're six and you're listening to our podcast, hello, children. If you're listening to this podcast. You have bad it, parents. Yeah. And we have said a lot of bad words. <laughs> um, we, this is a fine film. This is a fine introduction to the fantasy genre. Mm -hmm. But if you're older and you want to watch it, it's not. It just, it's, it's not. It's not good. No. It's, I don't. <laughs> It's hard for me to peg who this... I don't think that they were going after six-year-olds. This was a high-grossing film in, in Germany, and it made its money back here in the United States. I think a lot of people took their took their kids to go see it. Yeah. As far as other fantasy films go, there are lots of other fantasy films out there that, are, that actually have a stronger message. And, uh, you know, shit, Wizard of Oz. Fuck it. 
even I, you know, I'm not a fan. I mean, I love, I recognize and love the Wizard of Oz, but I love the Wizard of Oz books. Yeah. I'm a big Wizard of Oz books fan. Um, there's a lot of other fantasy out there that that um, speaks a lot more to issues that kids face, and trying to tell a kid that imagination is good is kind of like also kind of telling, oh yeah, you know what else is good? Candy, kid. <laughs> Wow, really? It, yeah, Finally, a film that speaks to my generation. Have you ever met a child that lacks an imagination? Yeah, because those are the serial killer kids, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, is if if the if the message is aimed not at children, but at maybe at older children or at adults, there is a weird thing. Like when adults get older, they 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 stop imagining and dreaming. Yeah, which is horseshit. But okay. But if that's the message, then again, it doesn't. The movie doesn't really. It doesn't really seem like it would work at engaging that audience. You know, if the message is, "Oh, hey, all you no. parents who've forgotten what it's like to pretend, don't forget." Mm-hmm. You know, well, okay, but if I can't imagine really giving a shit if I now, saw this movie, one of movie. the things that uh, that Michael Ende had, one of the problems that he had with the production is that this movie is only half of his book. It mm-hmm. and, and believe it or not, his 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 book. Is that's only half of the story? You want to know what the other half of the story is? What's the other half that that does speak on broader topics and issues? Um, Bastion has a whole bunch of adventures, but every time he makes a wish, he loses a memory. Oh, and eventually he kind of goes mad with power and decides that he's going to rule Fantasia. He goes power crazy, and Atreyu and and. Uh, and uh, uh, Falcor have to convince him to stop doing what he's doing and go back to the real world and and um, make amends with his father about the death of his mother and face reality. Wow. <laughs> There's an interesting plot. There's a very different film in there. <laughs> yeah, a much different film that speaks on larger issues. Yeah. Uh, because in this one, it's I'm going to escape the reality of my life by falling into a fantasy world. Yeah, the end, and he lived happily ever after. King fuck of the universe. <laughs> um, so it sounds like we both uh, pretty much do. Would you recommend or not recommend? I would. I tell you what, I I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend it, but there is one thing about it that if whether you like the movie or not, that to me makes it super cool. And that is that the voice of Falcor and also the Rockbiter and also the Gamork uh, is done by Alan Oppenheimer, who is a name that might be familiar to you if you if you like like 80s animation and stuff. And Alan Oppenheimer, <laughs> to me, will always and forever be the voice of Skeletor. So the voice of Skeletor is also the voice of Falcor. Only Skeletor was in this. Skeletor, uh, Gamera, and Lavar. Now you're now you got a movie. So is that a recommend? Uh no. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say my. I'm gonna say I'll recommend this film for anyone below the age of six. <laughs> but if you're an adult and you want to be entertained by a movie, no. If you're an adult and you want to laugh at a movie, there's there's stuff in here that's that. If you're joke prone, yeah, you'll you, you you might find entertainment that way. But most people don't. <laughs> most people aren't <laughs> like have us to manufacture their own <laughs> entertainment while watching a movie. <laughs> so I'm not going to recommend for adults. So that's it. 
Um, now it's time for us to recommend something else. Steve, what are you going to recommend? I'm going to recommend a movie that is uh, a relatively recent movie. It's actually too recent to qualify for an episode of our show because it is less than we 10 don't, years that's, old. That's not a restriction on our recommendation. I know, I know. But it's, it, we couldn't have an episode about it is what I'm saying. Um, oh, okay. And uh, just pay attention, okay? All right, go for it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So the movie I'm recommending is from 2009. And it deals with a lot of the same sort of themes that NeverEnding Story tries to deal with and doesn't really deal with very successfully. It's about a child who is sort of alienated from his parents, who escapes into a fantasy world to sort of, you know, uh, find adventure and find meaning and find solace. It is the film version of uh, Where the Wild Things Are by oh, uh, you artsy little the, <laughs> which is the the book the, the, the book by Maurice Sendak and the uh, the film is directed by Spike Jones and written by yeah. Spike Jones and Dave Eggers and uh-huh. uh, a lot of people really liked the movie when it came out a lot of people just didn't really like it very much it, it sort of had mixed reviews but the people that, yeah. the people that liked it really really liked it and yeah, if you are a hipster you love them <laughs> and well and, right Steve and I am one of the people who really liked it so I I am recommending uh <laughs> Where the wild the, the film version of Where the Wild Things Are. I really, really liked. I lo- I, I, I loved the book when I was a kid, and I think the Me movie too. does a really wonderful job of adapting I'm it just and making it. Giving you a hard time. <laughs> Why can't you just let me love things? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I I, I think actually I, I think it, it does a lot of the same things that that. Uh, the film of Neverending Story tries to do but doesn't do, but I think Where the Wild Things Are does them a lot better. So that's my recommendation, Where the Wild Things Are. Good. I'm going to recommend a film that came out a little bit before uh, Neverending Story, has better special effects, and um, is it also qualifies as a fantasy movie. Not really made for children um, at all, but... Um, uh, it was my favorite when I saw it when I was little, and I rewatched it again uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and I still love the movie. And that movie is called Dragon Slayer. Mm. Um, it was released by Paramount Pictures and Walt Disney Productions um, in 1981. It was directed by Matthew Robbins, uh, written by uh, Hal Barwood and Matthew Robbins, and it stars uh, Peter McNichol, Caitlin Clark, and the main reason why I keep going back to watch the movie, Ralph Richardson. Oh, and it has a fantastic, horrible, evil dragon <laughs> in it <laughs> that burns alive Ian McDermott. Yeah, that's right. The emperor himself. Oh, no. He plays a priest. That's right. A <laughs> priest gets flambéed by a dragon in this movie. Um, <laughs> the movie itself is about, it's, it's about a lot of things. And you can argue that there are a number of themes running through the film that are aimed directly towards adult. Um, the death of uh, uh, the pagan religions in Europe being replaced by Christianity is a theme. Um, the whole... Uh, there's a lottery system involved in which people are <laughs> voluntarily sacrificing their children to the dragon to maintain peace. Nice. Um, there's a lot of political stuff. It's a lot about power. It's a lot about... Um, it's not just about magic and goofiness, although there is magic and goofiness in it. Um and it has one of those endings that make you feel like you don't know how to feel. And I like that when a movie doesn't quite know how to make you feel. And um, even if you're just going to watch the big wizard dragon fight. Yeah, there is a big fucking wizard dragon fight. Ralph Richardson is a fucking wizard fighting a dragon at the end of this movie. And that needed to be in this movie. <laughs> 
So go find it. Dragon Slayer, 1981. It's really good. I'm sure you can find it. It, it, was, it was a box office bomb. It did not make its money back. Um, but uh, it's a movie that I rewatch. It's very moody. It's, it's very dark. It takes place in the Middle Ages. Not a whole lot of happiness to throw around unless you're rich. Um, <laughs> but it's smart. It's well-written. The characters are very well-developed. Um, Dragon Slayer. Have you seen Dragon Slayer? Still? I think I saw it a long time ago. It's been a while since I watched it. Rewatch it again. You'll I love will. It. I promise. And if you hate it, then well, I'm sure we'll hear about it on this podcast. <laughs> God damn it. I watched Dragon Slayer. Bunch of crap. <laughs> okay, that's it this time around. Um, are you guys angry at us? Probably. You're probably like, I love that movie. Granted, I haven't seen it in like 20 years, but I love that movie. Falcor is my spirit animal. How dare you? How dare you take a shit on my life again? <laughs> if if we've upset you, let us know. If you agree with us, let us know. If there are movies that you want us to review, let us know that too. Um, we love getting suggestions and stuff like that. Just go to the Let Me Listen podcast website. Go to the con- contact page and and sling us your 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 approval or hatred. Either way, I don't care. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, for late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives and Jason. Why don't you do what you dream, Jason? I'm doing it. Oh. Ever since I was a little boy, I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast. Oh. Okay, never mind. I'm going to do it. We're going to review movies. So you, okay, so you're, you're, you're doing it. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Can you? I don't need to. What? Well, I mean, even though even even though you are doing it, and it kind of ruined my whole thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, can I'm you, sorry. Can you can you can you still pretend that I'm not doing it? Well, I, whether I don't, that doesn't matter. But can you just you know? Can you just call my name? What? Ew! Please, please. <laughs> Could you put some clothes back on? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll call your name. Okay. <clears throat> Moon Child. <laughs> Thank you. Was that so was hard? That, was that take good, Wolfgang? No, I want you to scream it <laughs> at the top of your lungs and make it unrecognizable. Otherwise, this movie will be laughed out of the theater. <laughs> Perfect print. <laughs> Let's break for lunch, everyone. Bye, everybody. everybody. (laughs) Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.